Welcome to the 20 Things Adoption Podcast with your host, adoption author Sherry Eldridge. Adoptive parents will find hope here, hope that strained relationships with their adopted children can heal. Hey, friends through adoption. It's great to connect with you again. I've been thinking about you and wondering how those of you whose lives have been touched by adoption, how's it going? Are you doing okay? I hope so. Today is a beautiful summer day in Indiana, and I'm sitting at my desk and looking out at the hummingbird feeder, and I pick some of Bob's uh, little baby red roses for my desk, and I've got my anthropology uh, candle burning. It's almost burned out, but maybe that's a sign it's time for a new podcast. I don't know. But anyway, it's good to connect with you again. Today, we're going to talk about something painful in regard to adoption. Now, I love, you know, let's talk about adoption pain. Jim Gritter is an author that I really admire. And in his book, The Spirit of Open Adoption, he really defines what adoption-related pain is. Jim says, we must be careful not to sanitize, sentimentalize, or even glamorize the pain of adoption. It is really miserable stuff and intensely personal. It is in the interior. The pain of adoption isn't something that happens to a person. It is the person because the pain is so primal, it's virtually impossible to describe. Now, one of those areas of pain that isn't described, as far as I know, is the wound of adoptive mothers. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, I know what the reaction is going to be from many moms out there. You're going to say, I don't have a wound. My kid is the one who has the wound. And I work 24-7 to comfort him and help him attach meaningfully with me and other people. And um, no, I don't have a wound. Well, you know what you do. And your child is wounded, yes. But no matter how strong, no matter how hard you're trying to be a good mom, you have a wound. And we're going to talk about it. And I hope you can be open to that concept if you're feeling defensive. If you're feeling defensive, I would say you're not the only one who has felt that way. Remember, I interviewed the 50 moms, and they reacted much in the same way. They said that it was even hard to describe, but they were defensive. Listen to the words of Pam Mittenberger. She says, I believe I was defensive, trying to defend my job as a mom. Not many understand the dynamics within adoption, especially moms, especially with moms. So it was hard for them to understand. Some did, but not all. I tried to explain what was going on, but it's not enough unless someone has been there or seen it before. Can you relate, moms? She continues, I so often tried to explain and defend myself, hoping others would understand me and know how hard I was trying and what I was going through. A lot of family and friends didn't understand how they were manipulated by my kids. They didn't understand that you can love and not blame the children, but still not attack the parenting. I found a lot of people wanted to swoop in and save our situation. I know they cared, 
but it was often motivated by a need to make themselves feel more important or a better parent. I never figured out how to stop this and seek out people that supported our whole family unit. When you're living under so much stress, it's hard to see clearly and understand yourself, let alone help others understand. Barb Butts, writes, she writes, I think many people can experience defensiveness or protectiveness about our woundedness. To be comfortable disclosing ourselves authentically requires safety. Safe people are hard to find. That's right, isn't it? Additionally, we may be conscious of the adoption, quote, label that can be put on our kids, and that adoption can sometimes be erroneously viewed as the root of the problem. But in reality, it may be something far different. Disclosing our wound requires some level of risk and discernment before taking that risk. Otherwise, there is a chance of being hurt more by insensitive comments, judgment, and or blame. It's not easy to navigate the path of transparency, especially if you're already limping along. Who needs to have their good legs shot out from underneath them? So aren't those good quotes by adoptive moms? Now, when I think about you and all you're going through, and I listen to the quotes of the mom, I think about little Jessica McClure and her mom, Sissy. Sissy was in her sister's backyard watching her daughter and other children from her sister's daycare. And then, you know, the phone rang. Sissy heard the phone ring, and she slipped away. And when she came back, the unthinkable had happened. Her little daughter, her eight-year-old daughter, had slipped down an uncapped water well, only eight inches wide and 22 feet deep. How shocking. So can you imagine, just put yourself in the story. Don't think about yours for a minute. Just think about Sissy and her husband, Chip. How would they react? Oh my gosh, I can't imagine how traumatized they were. Maybe they couldn't eat or refused to. Maybe they slept outside by the well site. Maybe to control their out-of-control emotions, they needed a huge dose of Valium or several swigs of whiskey. Maybe they just wished for a, a shovel to dig her out. Well, Sissy called for first responders, and all kinds of people came to help. There were just all kinds of technical people oil field drillers, construction workers, geology experts, and they all offered their state-of-the-art equipment and heartfelt effort was made. They all wanted to help in, in our country. Remember the story on the news about the situation and how they couldn't get little Jessica out of the well. But Sissy called the first responders, and I imagine she would have said, please don't let my baby die. But who could help Sissy? I mean, she asked the first responders came, but were there any experts coming to talk with her from the hospital? Was her sister mature enough to stay by her side? And even if they tried, it would be impossible for them to understand her agony. What Jessica suffered while lodged in that well was unknown to Chip and Sissy. It was unknown trauma. They didn't know that her right leg was in a split position from her body. They didn't know if she could breathe well. How did Sissy react to the unknown? I believe that she must have looked down that hole and saw her parenting in a totally different way. 
all of a sudden she was helpless to help her daughter. Is that how you feel sometimes, moms? You feel helpless to help, unequipped, insufficient, whatever. There was no way she could get down there and bring her up. The only way Sissy could touch Jessica was to emotionally bend over the wall and sing Winnie the Pooh, which she did often. I can just imagine her doing that again and again, can't you? Even though she was just dog-tired, she was still singing Winnie the Pooh. And that unknown part of Jessica, those experiences recorded in her brain and body, would be an iron door to Sissy and Chip in the future while they are trying to parent her. Well, another well was dug close to Jessica's so the paramedics could listen to what she did for those excruciating 58 hours. 58 hours, you guys, isn't that unimaginable? Accounts say that she was crying, humming, and singing. Then, on October 16, 1987, a skinny paramedic named Morales wiggled down the well shaft and brought out wounded baby Jessica. The waiting parents sobbed uncontrollably. And didn't all of us, as we were watching it on TV, oh my gosh, it was just incredible. So let's get back to your story now, parents and moms. Do you identify with Sissy? Your adopted child fell into a deep hole when she lost her first family. How unnerving to think what it was like for her down in that hole. Imagine the hole. The hole might have been months in the orphanage. It might have been neglect and abuse from former foster homes, plural. Or it could have been years in a mental facility. Adoptee and multi-published author Derek Clark, also known as the Rapping Dad, was deemed by psychiatrists as an impossible case to recover from as an adoptee and locked in a mental hospital for life. However, something amazing happened, and he began developing the skill of rapping about his life and about his painful years in that hole. And that brought him to life. Isn't that incredible? That brought Derek to life. And today he is a prolific author. Maybe I said that, I can't remember. And he's also a national speaker. He's even spoken to presidents. So I have a surprise for you about Derek Clark. He has agreed to come and be on the next podcast in October. So be sure and sign up today so that you can know when he's going to be on. So if I ask the moms, the 50 moms, to put words to the wound, and this is what the mom said about their wound. B. Breyer writes, it has broken my heart. As an adult orphan myself, I so wanted to give the gift of love and family that I didn't have. I love kids and to watch them respect me, the person who simply wants to help them and make their lives better, and to watch them do self-destructive behaviors and be powerless to change their future. I feel there's nothing I can do for them, but I do trust God. I am more unclear now as to what God's purpose is in all of this. I question, did I go down a road that God wasn't calling me to? So many questions, and no one in my world really understands. The journey has been so isolated. 
Then Lauren Whiting says, I would say my dark hole is losing my daughter. It is as if she is down there, yes, inaccessible. Instead of letting the paramedic hold onto her and pull her up, she is tunneling in a hole in a different direction, away from this rescue team and back to the birth family, the birth mother who will rescue her. And that, just to let you know, folks, is an adoptee fantasy. Many, many of us fantasize that our birth mothers are, you know, queens and they will come and rescue us on their white horses. Yeah. So anyway, another mom, Peggy Jordan writes, my daughter is in a dark hole. I know she is in pain, but I cannot get to her. She herself forbids it. Even if I could, I am paralyzed with the fear of any more rejection from her and saying something will make her commitment to estrangement from me even stronger. I don't know what to do. Rebecca Fabricus confirms the helplessness. She says, well, every little Jessica will hum, cry, sing, and appear to pass the time in typical childlike fashion. What adoptive parents can, and more specifically can't do on their own, is to bring their child out of the hole. And this causes a specific and unrecognized a trauma wound to the parent as well. It is the manifestation of every parent's fear that tells you, I am not enough to soothe my little one. Mom, I know that you have identified with this, and I know that you're humbled by your child's suffering and, that, and your helplessness, but you know you're not helpless. God is there, and ask him to intervene, and he will in incredible ways. I won't make any promises or guarantees, but I know God is there with you. Because there's no warm shoulder to lean on and no mutual tears to cry with another mom, right? This is, could this be your wound, your profound wound? I believe it is. You would glad, and I know also that you would gladly take the place of your child in that deep, dark hole. So if we talk about parenting after trauma, Jessica was kept in the hospital for observation for two days. But what happened on the way home with Fifty and Chip? What would they say to their traumatized child? Oh, my goodness. I can't imagine what that was like. Maybe they didn't say anything. Maybe it was dead silence. Or maybe Sissy just held her close. I hope so. But they must have struggled about future parenting. And they may have said this thing about her accident. Should we act like it never happened? And that everything was fine now because she's home again? Would they ask her directly what it was like to breathe in that dark hole? Apparently, they didn't say anything. There we go. Directly about that accident for two years. Then they exposed to the realities through a film that showed a child being recovered from a well. And Jessica cried. And we all know that was Jessica's story. Now, years and years later, Jessica is an adult, and she has been interviewed many times, and the one thing she emphasizes is that God saved her life. She says it was a miracle. Can I ever identify with Jessica? I mean, we've all been in those horrible holes, haven't we? For adoptees that are listening to this, our holes are pretty deep. I mean, with our pain is just 
unbelievable. But we can find the top of the hole and get out and have true freedom. This is what my new book is going to be about. And I hope that you will join me once that comes out and help me publicize it. Uh, I hope too that you'll sign up for this podcast right here and be sure and share it with somebody that you know and love. Another adoptive mom, another adoptee, but I will be back with you soon and I will be hosting with Derek Clark. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the 20 Things Adoption Podcast. If you can think of friends or family that would benefit from this information, feel free to share. See you next time.